Good morning and welcome to Madison Church. My name is Stephen. Many of you know that. And I want to welcome you to our Madison Church community. I hope that today is meaningful and engaging and that you have a good time. Um, You know, we live in a society, the United States of America, where we label anything and everything that we disagree with as fake news. I don't like that article. Fake news. I don't like that broadcaster. Fake news. I don't like that station. Fake news. Yeah, and we do that. Anything we don't like, even if it's the message we know is true, if the way that it's delivered, you know, isn't the way we want to hear it delivered, we say it's fake news. My observation is that this isn't a political thing that I'm saying because every side does it. We say things like, um, oh, they're ignorant. Oh, they're arrogant. And it doesn't matter if you label yourself conservative, if you label yourself liberal, if you label yourself moderate, we all do it. We think it often, sometimes we even say it, but it isn't helpful because all we're doing is ignoring the problems that are facing our society when we put our fingers in our ears and say, nope, I don't like that, fake news. And then what happens is we're coming up to the midterms, right, November, and we're going to go out, we're going to vote. And you watch a lot of political ads. And what I've noticed is like the things that people are talking about and fighting about and voting for are not even the biggest issues facing our society today. I mean, why don't they talk about this? Why don't they talk about that? Why are they still talking about things that were relevant a generation ago, but aren't relevant anymore? Or they are, but not as much as something else. It's because we always say fake news, fake news, fake news. And then nothing can happen because nobody's willing to move, nobody's willing to listen, and the problems just keep getting worse and worse and worse. It's not just this country, though. It happens in our homes. We do this with our lives. We don't call it fake news, but we ignore our own problems. Our family might not be healthy. Our marriage might not be healthy, but we say, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. We keep getting passed up for raises and promotions at work, and we keep thinking, well, it's somebody else's fault, or they just don't value me, or they, it's, it's them. They're overlooking my strengths. Uh, church, never have enough volunteers for children's ministry, right? And, and so we keep saying these things, oh, okay, like, it's just a season. That's what we say in the church world. It's just a season. But we're coming to an end of a season right now. Summer's over. It's going to be fall. Pretty soon, there's going to be snow on the ground. And then we're going to start all over again next year. Seasons are temporary. They don't last very long. But if your marriage, your family, you never have enough volunteers, if you always get passed up for the raise, it's not a season in your life. It is your life. It's who you are. And you can get really defensive right now and just put yourself in your chair and cross your arms and look at me and say, fake news. And in 10 years, we can still have this conversation, you and me because you'll still be in the same chair with your arms crossed saying fake news. The reality is that our situations and circumstances won't get better by saying fake news and by just being more stubborn. We have to be willing to confront the issues and the problems that face not just our society, but our homes and our workplaces and our kids and our schools. And until we're willing to have those hard conversations, until we're willing to do that, um, we're never going to get better. You may not like it, but that doesn't mean it's fake news. And we've been studying Jude's letter, which I think is really easy for us to fold our arms and sit in our chairs and say, fake news. 
Jude wrote this letter 2,000 years ago. It's not relevant. It's not engaging. It doesn't mean anything for today's believers. And then we're like, and what's Jude's problem anyway? Why is he so grumpy? Why is he so negative? Why is he saying this? Why is he saying that? And you know what? We're just Once we get rid of this series, we can move on to something else. We can talk about relationships or something that makes me feel good and not Jude, though. We'll just this will just be a bad memory of a summer at Madison Church. But the thing is, is Jude expresses regret right from the beginning. He says, I wanted to write you to talk about the salvation that we all share. I wanted to be encouraging and uplifting and actually just celebrate because what Jesus did changed my life, it changed your life, and we should celebrate that. But there are some people who have wormed their way, is the way that the NLT writes it. There have been some people that have wormed their way into your community, and they're infecting everything. There are a virus in your community and they are keeping me from celebrating with you. They are hurting your community, whether you realize it or not, whether it's direct or indirect, and whether or not you want to deal with it or call it fake news. It's happening. So Jude hopes that the readers, both thousands of years ago, but then you here today, me, us, all together, will step up and not step out. In this note, it is written to believers. So when we read this one-page letter from Jude, it is absolutely um, writing to Christians. He is. But as we talked throughout the series, we found out that false teachers aren't always who we think they are. We tend to think of false teachers as people who are hoarding guns and moving everyone into a giant compound on the outskirts of town with a leader who thinks he's Jesus, the second coming and they're drinking Kool-Aid and other weird things, right? So when we think false teachers, we think cults and cult leaders, and we think of obvious people who are enemies of the faith. But as we've studied this letter in Jude, we said, wow, maybe at times I'm a little bit like a false teacher. I can be a false teacher when I'm not responsible with my words, when I'm careless about the things I say with, with my mouth, via email, via text message, When I don't contribute to the health of our community, I can be a false teacher with my words. It can be you. When you don't take responsibility, when you don't own your actions, the things you do, sometimes it's the things you don't do. You really should do this, but you don't do this. And we say, well, I didn't. Well, in that way, you're acting like a false teacher. It can be all of us when we're just not intentional, when we're just not careful. And it's not fake news just because it's challenging. It's not fake news just because it makes you uncomfortable. It's not fake news because he didn't say it the way that you wanted him to say it. The only fake news here today is if you keep going on denying that your problems are really problems. That's the only fake news that exists in this gym right now. At times in our lives, we're all going to take more than we can give, okay? At times in our lives, we're all going to do that. At times in our lives, we're going to consume more than we contribute. We have to face the uncomfortable reality because they have eternal consequences. The things that we do or don't do now have eternal consequences, and that is why Jude writes. And so today we're in the last week of this series. It's been seven weeks. It's been two months that we've gone through only 25 verses in Jude, but it's been such an impactful series because Jude, every sentence maximizes it with meaning. And uh, the interesting thing about how Jude ends this letter as we get there, um, he doesn't end it with a long list of prayers, and he doesn't end it with a long list of greetings, hello, Tell Bob I said hi, which is really common in the New Testament, right? We see all the letters always end this way, and not so with Jude. So if you want to use the blue Bibles, 
And Jude says, Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. What I found out in studying this text is that a lot of liturgical churches will actually use this as the way that they close their services. It serves as a doxology. But it's so impactful. I hope it doesn't become mundane. I hope that we don't just hear this and say, okay, well, whatever. What we've learned is that it's dangerous to our minds, bodies, and spirits to exist among false teachers. It's dangerous. It's those eternal consequences that if we just let these things happen, we're going to get on a path that doesn't just ruin their lives, that it eventually ruins our lives. We were reminded of something we already know here at the end of Jude. Jude says, hey, I've just gone through this long list of things to watch out for, but do not forget that it is about God who possesses the power. Jude says, God possesses the power. You are not in this alone. Yes, don't do this and don't do that and watch out for this and look out for those, but do not forget that as a believer here today, you have a very powerful God who is in you and around you and works through you when dealing and confronting with these things in the midst of your challenges, whether your challenges are internal or external, God's power is greater than both and you are not alone. And this has to do with the way that Jude started the letter. He kind of starts it and ends it in the same way, and he's talking about your identity. Don't forget that in Jude 1, he says, this letter is from Jude, slave of Jesus, brother of James. I'm writing to all who have been called by God the Father who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus. If you're a believer today, and I don't suppose that everybody in the room is a believer, but if you are a believer here today, what Jude is telling you about yourself is that you are called by God, you are loved by God, and you are kept by God. It's who you are in God. But I bet that none of us have those words in our Twitter bio. Anyone still on Twitter besides the president? No? Okay. Here's the thing. How we talk about ourselves reveals to others how we think about ourselves. How we talk about ourselves reveals to others what we think about ourselves. So Jude's bio, if he was on Twitter, would read, slave of Jesus, brother to James. That's what his would say. On Instagram, I looked at my bio this morning. What, what did I write? I wrote things like Jesus follower, husband, dad, church planner, and pastor. So I'm saying to everybody who views my profile for the very first time, this is who I am. This is the essence of Stephen. Stephen is a dad, he is a husband, he is a pastor. And because of that, because of how I have framed my identity in my mind, that really dictates the problems I deal with, doesn't it? Not just the problems, but the solutions. So because of my Instagram bio, how I describe myself to you and to other people who don't know me, we'd say, well, we worry about our health. Those would be the problems that people like that, people like me, husbands and brothers and family, we worry about our health. Do I go to the gym enough? Do I eat the right foods? I know I'm not getting enough sleep. I could be healthier. So we stress out about money. An unexpected bill comes in the mail. Your paycheck wasn't as much as you thought it would be. I've got a lot of money, but I don't really know what I'm doing with it. So I feel like I'm kind of foolish with my money. I don't really have anything to show for my money. I should be sitting at the table with the board of directors at Taco Bell because of how much money I've spent on them. But instead, all I'm getting 
is quesadillas and not share options, right? Okay, so we say, I'm in such and such a class. I'm poor. I'm rich. I'm middle class. We think about our children. Are they getting bullied at school? Are they the bully at school? Will they grow up and do well? Will they grow up and go to jail? We identify ourselves as a parent who is trying. And we obsess about our jobs. We all obsess about our jobs. I show up early. You stay late. Our new boss hates us. Oh, good. Our new boss loves us. That coworker is really annoying. I'm the annoying coworker. Our identity is in our job as parents, our relationships, about our bodies, our income. Now, here's the thing that we read in this final couple verses in Jude's letter. God doesn't promise to take those worries away from you. He doesn't promise that at all. He doesn't even promise that nothing is going to go wrong with your life. He doesn't say believe and you're going to live this great life. Now, Jesus does say, I want you to live life and live it to the full. And so you might think, well, hmm, how does that work? Jesus wants me to live life to the full, but he's not going to take my problems away and I'm still going to worry about stuff. Nope. And that's not what Jude writes here. But what he does write and what God does say about himself is that God will take away your greatest worry, which is where you're going to spend eternity. So when this life is over and the money that you made doesn't matter and your kids are all grown up and having kids of their own and your health isn't what it used to be, what we've got is an eternal promise from God to keep you safe. That in the next life, God has your back and there's nothing that can separate you from his love. The other thing that we're promised is that he will make the situations and the circumstances that we're going to through right. That he's working together for our good is what Romans 8.28 says. So that should change our identity. Being children of God, being called, kept, and loved by God. I won't worry about my health because even when my health fails, when, not if, when your health fails, God will sustain me. I won't stress about money because even when I don't have it or I don't use it wisely, I know that God is my provider. When I think about my children, I will not just teach them about God. I will live a godly lifestyle so that they will follow in my footsteps and spend eternity with me. I won't obsess about my job because who I am is way more significant than what I am. And I say these things as somebody who struggles pretty regularly with stress. I, my stress in my mind affects me physically. I don't sleep well, then I don't eat well, then I don't sleep well, then I don't eat well. And it's just a cycle of not eating and not sleeping, and it affects me physically. And I want to recognize this morning that mental illness is absolutely a real thing that a lot of you are dealing with, and a lot of you are, are trying to manage, and it does seem overwhelming, and it affects you every single day. I think therapy is great. I think everyone should be in therapy, honestly. I think <laughs> if you can do it, do it. And I think modern medicine is a gift from God, and we should take advantage of modern medicine But here's what we need to own, every single person in the room, mental illness or not. Every day, you contribute to your own problems. Every day, you make your own problems worse because you forget who you are, because you lose your identity, because you forget that you're a child of God. So you worry about your health, your kids, your relationship, your work, your car, your money. And we make our own problems worse. Yes, mental illness is real. and You can take medicine and talk to a therapist. But then when every single day we're just like, this is my identity, so these are my problems, and there's no solution, you are making it significantly worse for yourself. And it doesn't have to be that bad. 
Because despite my own inconsistencies with health, money, children, and my job, God is consistently good. No matter how inconsistent you are, God is consistently good. Jude ends the letter the same way he begins it. It's an assurance that our identity is secure in God. And I need you to understand that. You are unconditionally loved by your Father. I don't know where you're going to work tomorrow. I know where a lot of you are going to work tomorrow, but that's not who you are. You're a child of God. I know kids are going to be going back to school and you're worried about them. I need them to pass and I don't want them to skip and I don't want them to get arrested or anything. I don't want their teachers to be mean to them. I don't want to be mean to them. I miss them. And we go through all of these things in our head, but we have to remember that our identity is children of God and that should reframe the problems we see and reframe the solutions that we look for. In verse 25, Jude also tells us a lot about God. He says he's, he's glorified, he's majestic, he's powerful, he's authoritative. That's who we belong to. We have an identity as children of God, which means we have a community of God. And in that community, that Christian community that will last forever and ever and ever in eternity, you will exist in God's glory, in God's presence. And I know that we go to church on Sunday and the music is good and, and we raise our hands and we worship and we're, we say, yes, I experienced God this morning at church and it was great. But the thing is, is that God's presence is around you all the time. It's going to be with you tomorrow at lunch. It's going to be with you on the way home. God is with you all the time. And so then we must ask ourselves, why doesn't it always feel like it then? When my boss is yelling at me, why doesn't it, when my kid is ignoring me, when that person cuts me off in traffic, why don't I feel like God is around me? And the fact is, is that we are not looking for God in those places. We experience God here because we are looking for God here. That's why we gathered. We're looking to connect with God and each other. Oh man, God was here. Yeah, but I hate to break it to you. God was there too. God is all around you. God never leaves you. And when we get to heaven, there won't be those distractions of all of these other things because God's presence will completely consume us. We belong to that coming kingdom. You can rest assured your citizenship isn't the United States. It's not somewhere else. Your citizenship is in heaven and we have a good, good king. A king that would die for you. Not a king that wants to torture you or enslave you, but a king who comes to this earth and dies for you. We belong in his power. And in that power, we can rest assured that in the next life, I don't know what kind of physical, mental, or spiritual ailments you have, but there will be an eternal healing offered to you at that point. We belong in his, under his authority. What do we do with like today's content as we're reading verses 24 and 25? We say, man, okay, that's good. I belong to God. My identity is a child of God, and I need to reframe the problems and the solutions I'm having. What am I doing? Well, I think throughout this whole series, there's been probably one week or one thing and one message that really spoke to you. You really felt like God was nudging you, that the Spirit was moving, and you felt like, I need to do this. I need to do that. And then you left here, you had lunch, and you took a nap, and you haven't thought about it until right now. Oh, yeah, I was going to start this. Oh, yeah, I was going to stop that. Thanks for reminding me. You're welcome. I wanted to remind you. That's why I like to close the series. I just want to remind you God had spoken to you at some point in the last two months. I would encourage you to go back and listen to it or watch it. I mean, we put our content anywhere that'll take it. If it's on YouTube, you can watch it. 
we're on Spotify now. Okay, I didn't even know we were on Spotify. I got an email saying that our podcasts were going to Spotify. I was awesome, cool. We just it just goes to Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play for those of you who still use an Android phone because you haven't seen the light yet. Okay, I would encourage you go back and listen to the message and say, God, what are you saying to me? What am I going to do about it? And listen to God. Now, here's the thing. Did any of you listen to audiobooks ever? Yeah. I really, really have liked audiobooks because I can listen to it in the car. I can listen to it when I'm around the house and I just take it. But here's the thing. I listened to audiobooks more than once. And I thought, the first time I thought, that's crazy. Why would I listen to an audiobook more than once? I've already heard it. But there are so many things I catch the second time, knowing how the book begins, knowing how the book ends, knowing the main points. When I'm going through it a second time, I catch way more things, and I know the content way better. And the same thing is going to be true of you. So yes, you were here on a Sunday, or you listened to the message, and God spoke to you, but I bet the next time you listen to it, you're going to hear things and pick up on things that you didn't the first time. And then we can put those things into practice, and so we're not sitting in our chairs with our arms crossed saying, fake news, fake news, well, I'm just screwed. God doesn't care about me, blah, blah, blah. We can say, wow, God really does want to do work in my life. I need to be open to it. And that requires me turning off Netflix and getting off my butt and actually doing something, okay? So we can do that. Around here, we talk about growing, gathering, and giving a lot because we believe that those three habits will get you to that life that Jesus wants you to have, that full life. We believe that these things will transform you with God's help. So I, I picked three. I was like, man, which of, of all of these things that we talk about, grow, gather, give, what are some things that we can do? Well, we can read the Bible daily. We talk about that all the time, but I think that it is an important habit to develop in our lives. You can take a blue Bible with you. They're absolutely free. We bought them so that you would take them. So don't think you're stealing a Bible from church. You're not. They are a gift to anyone who will use it. Um, I think that you can download the Bible app. I think the Bible app is actually the best way to read the Bible. I don't know if I've ever said that from here, but I just did. Um, you always have your phone with you, and you only have your Bible with you on Sunday morning. Oh, okay, maybe you're more spiritual than me. I only have my Bible on Sunday morning, but I always have my phone with me, and I have the Bible app, which means I always have the Bible with me. And it's so cool because that would be literally, I'll be waiting in line, and I'll pull up my phone, and I'll just start reading a Bible reading plan, or I'll be waiting for an appointment, and I'll just start reading the Bible, and these are things that I wouldn't normally do, but it's like engaging God's Word every day. You can make notes, write bookmarks, highlights. You can even read plans with other people, and it's free, and there are no ads. I would absolutely start developing that habit in your life. Eat together. When was the last time you ate with someone else? Now, in the United States, We are very different than the rest of the world in that we eat because we need the energy so we can go back to work and get more done. And in the rest of the world, they actually think that's kind of weird. Like, you sit down and you actually eat and you enjoy the food you're eating and you take your time and you talk to other people. And it really is, in other cultures, a social experience. In the United States, 30-minute lunch break. Eat this uh, pound these chips, drink my Coke, and get back and make more sales. And another culture is like, what's wrong with you? Like, why can't you ever relax? Yes, I'm telling you, eat with one another. Who is somebody um, that you work with that you should take out for coffee this week? Who is a family member that you should invite over for dinner? Someone you want to get to know better? Have a meal with them and just relax. Just be a person and just remember who God created you to be. The last thing is we give back. We can give back through volunteering. You have gifts. Really, you do. 
I'm trying to talk you into this. You have gifts. God, it says more about God than it says about you, okay? God is a gift giver and he's given everyone a gift. And uh, your gifts aren't just for your boss when you go to work. That's not what your gifts are for. As a matter of fact, let me say something that might make you cross your arms and dig in your heels. Your gifts aren't even for just your family. (gasps) I know. I know you're like, what? I'm not just a parent and a spouse. No, your gifts, first and foremost, the first community you ever belonged to was the Christian community. It was God's church. Before you were ever married, before you ever had kids, God made you. Jesus died for you, and the Holy Spirit has a plan for you. That is the first priority in all of our lives before our spouse, before our kids. And if we prioritize that relationship, and God wants us to participate in his family. As defensive as you get about your family and the time that your family has together, God is that defensive about his church. He died for his church. He died for you, us, this community. So that probably means if you're going to volunteer, if you're going to give back, if you're going to show up at Wexford tomorrow to help us do face painting, it probably means you're going to have to take something off your schedule. It might even be something you like. It might be something you're passionate about. It might be something your family likes might be something you enjoy, but it's always about your family. It's never about God's family. And maybe this morning, that's the problem. So you're like, okay, we're going to take something that my family does off the calendar. We're going to put something that God's family does on the calendar. We're going to set the alarm. We're not going to sleep in until noon on Sunday or one in the afternoon. We're not going to stay up till 2 a.m. on Sunday from Saturday night partying because in the morning, we're going to give back and contribute to God's family. I know, now you're like, Jude seems really nice compared to Stephen today. Like, what's his problem? I had two weeks off. I had a lot of time to think about this message. And then um, lastly, helping people find their way back to God and back to church Sunday. The next three weeks, we're going to go into a series about living on purpose and living missionally and making the most of every opportunity. Every single day, you have multiple opportunities throughout the day to make an eternal difference. And a lot of times, we just don't do it. We don't take advantage of it. Sometimes we don't even recognize it. But over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about it, which leads us into our Back to Church Sunday, which is going to be a ton of fun. And so um, studies show that 90% of people who go to church go because they were invited by somebody. 90%, 9 out of 10 people go to a church because somebody invited them. And so I want to spend the next three weeks talking about that. I want to talk about Back to Church Sunday, how much fun it's going to be. And let's hit this fall as a Christian community on fire for God's vision for Madison, God's mission for our church. Jude's letter is challenging to each and every single one of us for several different reasons. I doubt there's just one thing that that was challenging to you. If it was like me, it was three three times every Sunday oh man, I need to do this better. Oh man, I need to stop doing that. Oh man, I need to start doing this. But we don't have to be discouraged because we're not alone. Because God and his great power comes alongside us, in us, through us, and all around us. And he wants you to become the person he dreamed you to be. Isn't that crazy to think about? God has a dream for you. There's a person he wants you to be. God wants to help you get there. We'll become better spouses when we recognize that complaining and grumbling about those we're married to is just toxic for our relationship. It doesn't help. We become better parents knowing that we have a heavenly father who loves us unconditionally and we should love our kids unconditionally. We become better coworkers and bosses when we're generous. It's not just something that we do on Sunday mornings. It's something we do all the time. And we become better friends every time we open up our homes and lives to other people. Those things that at the beginning I talked about how we worry about and obsess about and, and think that, oh, it causes us so much stress, 
If we would just pursue our relationship with God first and prioritize his family, we reframe our problems. The solutions are a lot different, and it's a lot better. And you might be wondering, when did we talk about all of this throughout the entire series? Um, The entire series doesn't just pertain to what happens here on Sunday morning. Jude's letter contains wisdom that begins here on Sunday morning, but it definitely moves out to the rest of your lives, wherever you work, whatever you do, whoever you're going home to. Let's be people who don't just read the Bible and go to church. Let's not be people who just read the Bible and go to church. That sounds disgusting. Let's be people who live the Bible and people who are the church. Let's pray.